chapter 4, and um, we'll see how we go with chapter 5. We may not get there, but that's okay. We can talk about it afterwards. And take out your service sheet. Inside there, you've got a talk outline as well. Feel free to use that. Write down any thoughts, comments, questions as they come uh, to your mind as we uh, wrestle with God's Word tonight. Let's pray that God will help us during this time. Our Father, we thank you for this day and we thank you for your Word and we pray that as we read it and as we meditate on it, as we seek to apply it to our life, that you would lift up our eyes to see just how good you are, what you've done for us in Christ, that we might find strength again in your provision and in your power and not in our own. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Watching uh, mum and dad pack the family car for a, a family holiday is like watching master engineers at work as as every bag, as every box, every toy and book is, is perfectly placed like Tetris blocks. And it's a wonderful feeling, particularly if you are the mum or the dad, sitting back after you have packed the car and it's perfectly balanced, everything is just where it needs to be so that when you drive off, nothing's going to topple over and fall on top of your beloved kids. The feeling that you get as you just step back and look at the back of the car is one of just sheer euphoria. What a piece of art that is. Now, of course, not everybody in the world takes this discipline seriously. Some even try to pack way more than the car is physically capable of holding, like this guy. And that's, that's not a fake news photograph, that's a real photo of a guy that went to the local hardware store and wanted to take everything home in one go. The, the 4B2s and the plywood on top of the car are fairly obvious, but what you can't see weighing the car down is the 10 bags of concrete at 36 kilograms a bag in the back seat. Police, when they pulled the car over, going very slow, as you might imagine, estimated the weight on this car was over 1,400 kilograms. Both back tyres had exploded by the time it got pulled over. The wheels were bent and the rear shock absorbers, because of the pressure on them, exploded through the floorboards of the car itself. Are you feeling weighed down tonight? We all feel weighed down at times, a little bit like this car. And I'm not just talking about the way too much Chinese food that I had at the restaurant last night. We, we feel the pressure of this world and living in this world. It might be the pressure of our job, uh, the pressure of our family and relationships, maybe the mortgage and the debt that we're under, past mistakes that still follow us and haunt us, and even sickness. Influenza B is just going through the church in Western Sydney, it seems, at the moment. And when you're experiencing more than one of those things at the same time, you can feel a bit like this car that the weight of the globe is just pushing down upon you and you can question, how on earth can I keep on moving forward in life? How can I move at all with all this weight on my shoulders? We're often taught by our society that to feel weak or to be broken is a defect. It means that you've missed the best in life. But if you're listening to that video that we started the service with, a video from an elder Christian statesman now, J.I. Packer. 
He reminds us so helpfully that God has made it in such a way that we enter the world in weakness, that we will depart this world in weakness, and that even though we think each day of our life there are moments when we are strong, actually we are weak. And it's only when we acknowledge our true weakness that we can find true strength and where true strength comes from. And that's precisely the point that the Apostle Paul makes in the second letter to the Corinthians. Our tagline has been strength in weakness because that is the big idea of two Corinthians. Not just strength despite weakness or even strength through weakness, but strength in weakness itself. And that becomes even clearer in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the end of chapter 4 today. But I want to start by reading verse 6 where we finished off last week with something that's extraordinary. Have a look at verse 6 again. This is what God has done for us. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Friends, that is an extraordinary thing that God has done. He has shone into our hearts the light of the knowledge of of God's own glory, who he is, and his powerful plan to transform the world as we know it. That knowledge has been shone into our hearts. We didn't put it there. It's not innately there. God has put it there as we have responded to the good news uh, of Jesus. It's an extraordinary treasure that we have in our hearts. But as Paul moves into our passage today, beginning at verse 7, we see that, yes, internally we might have something extraordinary, but externally we are still very ordinary. Have a look there at verse 7. Now we have this treasure in clay jars so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. There are many names that society likes to give Christians, some nice, some not so nice, some ordinary, some reasonably extraordinary But here Paul points out, no matter what anybody else says, Christians, we are ordinary. We are but clay jars. Ordinary, fragile, weak, easily cracked, easily broken vessels. And we can see that quite clearly in Paul's own experience where he continues uh, in verse 8, demonstrating and describing his weakness, his brokenness, his fragility, as a clay jar. We are pressured in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body. Can you, can you see him describing what it means to be a clay jar, a, a weak and fragile vessel? And Paul's not just describing his own experience as a Christian. He says, we are pressured, perplexed, persecuted. He didn't continue with a fourth P, but struck down. And this is not just Paul. He's saying, we are like this. You you Corinthians are included in this and you Minchinbury are included in this. From the Apostle Paul to Israel Folau to Minchinbury Anglican, this is the experience of every Christian throughout history we are weak we are fragile we are easily broken and sometimes that pressure is more acute for some than others 
And sometimes that pressure comes at more specific times than just every time. But it ought not to surprise us if we are feeling weighed down, if we are feeling the pressure, particularly for being a Christian in really a post-Christian world, it shouldn't surprise us. Paul says it's always been that way. We are pressured, perplexed, persecuted, struck down. But notice he says, we're not crushed. We're not destroyed. God in his grace enables us to keep going, to withstand the pressure. But it does raise the question, why would God make such an extraordinary jewel inside our hearts, but contained in this just ordinary clay jar? Why would God put an extraordinary jewel inside us, but only covered by such ordinary people? Well, in verse 7, Paul already indicated that God has a great purpose uh, in our ordinariness. It says, we have this treasure in clay jars so that this extraordinary power may not be from us, but from God. God's purpose is to draw people not to Christians, but to Christ himself. And that becomes even clearer in verse 10 to verse 15. So let's have a look at that, verse 10, where Paul says, We always carry the death of Jesus in our body, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who live are always given over to death because of Jesus, so that... Jesus' life may also be revealed in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith in keeping with what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak. We know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us with Jesus and present us with you. Indeed, everything is for your benefit, so that grace extended through more and more people may cause thanksgiving to increase to God's glory. What is God's purpose in our weakness, in our being overwhelmed and feeling like we're breaking all the time? Well, it's this, that as we shatter, the treasure within scatters. You know what Paul says? He's breaking, he's even carrying the death of Jesus in his body you know, suffering and, and feeling like he's being broken over and over again, says it means life to the Corinthians. It might mean pain for him as he feels that, like being shattered apart, but it means life to the Corinthians. He says there in verse 15 that as he breaks, the grace of God is extended to more and more people. A couple of illustrations, I think, might help us understand the implications of this and, and, uh, and how it works. First illustration is a biblical story. Put up your hand if you remember the story of Gideon in the Old Testament. Two people, that's wonderful. So everybody else, listen up. Gideon, great hero in the Old Testament. One of the judges, one of the rulers of God's people. And he came to fight a battle against one of Israel's arch enemies, the Midianites. And he gathered his, well, it was a small army by the time they ended up fighting. And in one hand, the army had a trumpet. And in the other hand, they had a clay jar with a torch inside it. And as they went into battle, Gideon said, blow your trumpets. And what did he tell them to do to the clay jars? To smash them, to break them, 
Why? So that the torch light that was inside could shine out. And as the army of Gideon shined their torches out, it instilled fear in their Midianites and they fled and, and Israel had a remarkable victory and God's people were saved. I wonder whether Paul might be thinking about that as he's talking about the treasure within and being broken clay jars to the Corinthians. And that is that the Lord allows our weak lives, our often feeling like we are breaking, so that the light of the gospel that's within us can shine even brighter. A second illustration that might help us uh, understand it, and the kids in particular will get this one. We are, as Christians, like piñatas. Ordinary donkeys on the outside, fragile, but on the inside, oh, we have some sweet, sweet treasure. But how often, or how do you get the treasure out of a piñata? You whack it with a big stick, and then the treasure scatters. And I wonder whether, I don't know whether Paul had piñatas in mind, but... That's kind of like the experience of being a Christian in this world. We often feel like we're being whacked with a stick by the world and God allows it. Why would he allow it? Well, because there is this treasure within and it's often by suffering and pain and our brokenness that allows that treasure to escape and to impact people's lives. And it works. This week I spent some time with some pastors to be encouraged myself and to encourage them in ministry as well. And one pastor shared his story of how he came to faith in Christ. He didn't grow up in a Christian home or a particularly religious home for that matter. But he had to endure, he said, high school scripture in his local public boys school. And he used the word endure. And maybe you've had to endure some scripture classes in your local high school in the past. I don't know. And he said the local pastor would come up on top of the assembly, uh, on the stage at, at the front of assembly, with this... Uh, uh, an assembly auditorium full of teenage boys. And he said, every week we would heckle, we would mock, we would throw stuff at him. Even one week we carried him off the stage and said, don't come back. But that pastor kept coming back every week to try and teach the boys about the love of God in Christ Jesus. And after many months of this, the pastor who was sharing this story to me said, what impacted me the most was this other pastor must really believe all this stuff about Jesus because why on earth would he keep coming back week after week and experience the rubbish that we just keep throwing at him if he didn't believe it? And so it pricked his conscience and he started to ask questions about God and about Jesus and about life and he met up with this pastor and uh, got to ask more questions and then over time came to realise that, yeah, Jesus really is who the Bible says he is and he gave his life to Christ. But it was as that pastor was shattered week after week after week that the treasure of the gospel was actually received and not just by one person in that school but by many. Now, as Paul finishes the chapter into chapter 4, we see the implication of this truth, what it actually means for us is if it's true that as we shatter, the treasure scatters, what do we do with that? Well, Paul finishes by saying, well, if you're feeling pressured, press on. Have a look at verse 16. Therefore, this is Paul's conclusion. Therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. 
For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable, eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Paul says, if being broken over and over again can lead people to Christ, then he says, well, don't give up just because it's hard. Don't give up just because you're feeling pressured. Press on. Don't give up. And in these couple of verses, Paul gives us some anchors, some some hope to encourage us to keep pressing on even when it is hard. The first thing he says there uh, in verse 16 is that those who are rocked are also being renewed. Do you see that there, verse 16? Even though your outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. Yes, our brokenness can mean life to others, but our brokenness also means renewal for us, says the Apostle Paul. And I think what he has in mind there is what he's already said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, where he reminded the Corinthians, don't be so overwhelmed if you're facing affliction or suffering or pain. Because God might be using it to draw you closer to him, to experience the comfort and the peace that only he can bring. So often when it comes to feeling pressured and pain, we want God to do a a removing job. But sometimes God wants to do a renewing job in our hearts and our mind as we realise that we are weak and we are completely dependent on him. For me, these verses in 2 Corinthians also echo some great verses in the Old Testament, in particular Isaiah chapter 40, which talks about strength and renewal and weakness. Um, Have a look at these wonderful verses again. See if you can see the connections. Isaiah the prophet says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? Yahweh is the everlasting God, the creator of the whole earth. He never grows faint or weary. There is no limit to his understanding. He gives strength to the weary or to the weak. And strengthens the powerless. Youths may faint and grow weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Words that you've probably heard before. And particularly to the young men here today who think that you're strong and that you'll never stumble and fall. You will grow faint and you will get weary. But your strength can be renewed, not in your own effort, but as you trust in the Lord. Exactly what the Apostle Paul has said in 2 Corinthians. And many Christians have shared that they are most keenly aware of God's presence and God's power in their life when they are facing pain. Uh, C.S. Lewis, a great Christian author, has said that God whispers to us in our pleasures, but he shouts to us in our pain. That is, we are more acutely aware of our need for God when all of our self-sufficiency and pride is taken away and we realise that God is all we have and when we realise that, we realise that God is all we need. God shouts to us in our pain. So when you're feeling the pressure, press on. Don't give up. God is using your pain to renew you and to strengthen your trust in him. The second hope, the second anchor that we have that Paul says in verse 17 and 18 is a promise for the future, that our pain is just temporary. Or as I like to put it, when you feel the weight of the globe, 
focus on the weight of glory that is to come. Have a look at verse 17. That's where Paul says it. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. Paul says that pain is just a a momentary light affliction. Now, I don't think Paul is diminishing the experience of pain that we might have. Pain hurts. It's not enjoyable in that sense. Paul is not a masochist like that. What he is doing is trying to reorient the Corinthians and us to see pain and the moment as just that, a moment. It's temporary. It will end and there is something eternal and glorious to come. Before going to Africa in March, our family had to go see the doctor uh, because we needed to get needles, immunisations to protect us from hepatitis A and typhoid and any other nasty viruses that are on the other side of the world. Do you think I liked going to the doctor and having him shove needles in my arm? I hate needles. When I have to get a blood test, I can't look at the nurse as she's taking blood from my arm and I have to kind of think about something else as the needle is going. When I go to the dentist and they're like putting the needle in your mouth, I just shut my eyes and think of Ness and the kids, trying anything to take my mind, because I can't stand needles. But what's better, the momentary light affliction of getting a typhoid shot or getting typhoid and missing out on the glory the sights and the sounds of God's creation in Africa. I will endure the momentary light affliction because there's something better still to come. You may have heard of Lance Armstrong, famous athlete, shamed now, but in his day was still a very strong athlete. He said this about pain. Pain is temporary. It may last a minute or an hour or a day or a year, But eventually it will subside and something else will take its place. But if I quit, if I give up, then the pain of disappointment will always be there. But the opposite is also true, isn't it? That if we endure pain with God's renewing strength, then like Christ himself, our forebear, we will experience resurrection glory forever. And that's why I think Paul says in verse 18, We do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. When you feel the weight of the globe, focus on the weight of glory to come. And that word focus, the Greek word there is where we get the English word telescope from. You know, that object that you use to focus on something that's far into the distance that you can't see naturally, but as you focus on it, you can see it. And Paul is saying to Christians, even though your pain might be this all-consuming thing in your experience, don't focus on that. Focus on what's beyond it. Focus on the weight of glory that is to come. Just like a marathon runner can't see initially the finishing line, but they set their focus on the finishing line. They set their focus in their mind and on their heart on that finishing line. And as they do that, they can endure each momentary painful step on that journey, knowing the glory that awaits them at the end. So when you feel the weight of the globe on your shoulders, focus again on the weight of glory that is to come, and you can press on. 
Every year over the last decade, I've been speaking at HSC study camps for Year 12 students about to face their exams. And every year that I go to these conferences, some student will ask me, we're here to study, why is the pastor here? And I say, well, I'm here because I want to offer you or show to you or give to you an eternal perspective in the midst of an all-consuming moment of time. And the HSC for many students is an all-consuming moment of time. They can't see beyond the HSC. There's so much self-expectations, parental expectations, community expectations on their shoulders that they can't see beyond it. And I try and encourage them, there is life beyond the HSC. There is a glory to come that's better than just passing the exams or getting into university or getting a high-paying job. There is an eternity that God has planned for you if you are just see it. Now, maybe you're not studying for the HSC. Maybe you can't even remember when you studied uh, for the HSC. It's been that long ago. But maybe you are, as I said at the beginning of this talk, feeling the pressure. Pressure that you've placed upon your own shoulders, pressure that other people have placed on there. The pressure of debt, the pressure of sickness, the pressure of family dynamics that are, are not at all peaceful. Maybe it's just the pressure of trying to be a Christian in a post-Christian world. You may not be experiencing what Israel Folau has been experiencing over the last few weeks, but you feel the weight of every social media post or media article having a crack at Christians. And you feel the pressure to keep silent, whether that's at work, out of fear you might lose your job, or at home because maybe it'll split apart your family. Maybe you're just worried that you'll get laughed at, and so you keep silent. But listen again to what Paul says. He says, don't give up. And he also says there in verse 13, I believe, therefore I speak. He's not silent. He continues to speak of the Lord Jesus, even if that means he's going to get whacked again. I believe, therefore I speak. And now as much we can debate about the wisdom of Israel's Folau choice of words in recent weeks, and if it was me on social media, I may have chosen different words uh, to express the same ideas. And there is the call in the New Testament for Christians to be wise in the way we act toward outsiders, to have our conversations seasoned with salt, full of grace, gentle, respectful. But like Israel Folau, we must speak. We can't be silent. We need to press on and not give up. We have this treasure inside. And if it takes sometimes getting whacked by the world for that treasure to get out, let's allow that to happen for the sake of dying people in our world. If you find yourself feeling shattered, just think of yourself as a piñata. It's just allowing that glorious treasure to get out of your heart. And remember that unlike a normal piñata, you might be smashed, but you won't be destroyed. You might be pressured, but you will not be crushed. God will help you endure. God will do a renewing work on your heart and in your life. And you can endure as you set your focus, not on the, the weight of the globe, but on the weight of the glory that is to come. Father, we acknowledge that we are weak. And although that is seen as a defect by many in our world, we know from your word that as we acknowledge our weakness that you do 
something mighty in our life, that you draw people to your son through our weakness, that is as we break, that as we shatter, the treasure of the gospel scatters to so many people. So, Father, we pray that you might shatter us this week so that the treasure within can spread. We pray that you'll help us to endure that, that we might see the work that you're doing in our heart and mind, transforming us to depend completely on you and not our own strength. And, Father, we thank you for the hope, the promise of the weight of glory to come that will far outweigh any pain that we experience in this world. So, Father, strengthen us to live out your word this week for your glory. Amen. Friends, in a moment we're going to transition into sharing uh, in the Lord's